0: The following program is sponsored by The National Prayer Chapel So let's just come together Tonight and offer This song as a prayer
1: And ask God to prepare us Lord Prepare me To be a sanctuary Pure and holy Right and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, prepare me.
0: message
2: today is entitled, House of God, House of God, Mighty King. Your house is where you live. My house is where I live. Lord, would you reveal that to us today? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Jesus did not come with bad news. He came with good news. And the good news was that the kingdom of God was near.
0: The kingdom of God literally is the ruling authority of God is near this world had been ruled by the devil, but Jesus came saying, "There is a transition that is going to take place,
2: and in that transition, the Father is going to take over Well, we know that now, because all of us who are here who are Christian.
0: Understand that we live now under the authority of God, and the devil's authority has been broken. And if any of you have made the mistake this week of living under the authority of the devil, I've got good news for you. You don't have to do that anymore. If you've been angry and bitter, if you've been making accusations, if you've been defensive, you don't have to do that anymore. You can do it if you want to and let the devil rule over you, but you don't have to do it anymore. The kingdom of God has come. The ruling authority of God is now in the earth. He has a people called the church. And in that place, only Jesus Christ is to rule. He is the head of the church. So if you're still under the rule of the devil. Kick him out today. You don't have to let that foolishness continue. No sin has the power to stand against the blood of Jesus. No bondage has the power.
2: The blood of Jesus is all-powerful, and he meant to set us free and to make of us the house of God. Now, I'm going to show you that in the scriptures.
0: I don't know about you, but that's such good news to my heart. I have lived many years under the lash of the
2: devil. I'm done with it. There's a story in scripture that begins
0: our message today. It's found in Luke, the fifth chapter. Now, you'll find the same story with some variances in Matthew 9, 1 to 8,
2: and in Mark 2, 1 to 12. It's in three gospels. there was a day when Jesus went to Capernaum. Capernaum was his headquarters. He worked out of Peter's house. Peter and his wife, mother-in-law, all lived
0: in Capernaum. Now, in that place... The word quickly goes out that Jesus has returned and crowds began to gather. And with them, men from the synagogue,
2: scribes and Pharisees. And they came in and they got the best seats.
0: Now the place just filled up. The house was jammed. There, there were people standing outside the doors. They couldn't get in. There was not even standing room left in this place. And Jesus was firmly preaching the word. Oh, how I would love to have heard Jesus preach. He taught as one with authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. He didn't say, this might mean this, but it could mean this, but we're not sure it might mean that. No, he said, this is the truth.
2: You know, the gospel is not multiple choice. The gospel is straight and
0: clean. It says what it means, and it means what it
2: says. We can put our weight on it. So in this midst of the crowd,
0: the scriptures make a very interesting statement. It says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, we're accustomed to calling Jesus the Lord, and he was. But this has direct reference to Almighty God.
2: The power of Almighty God was present to heal them. And there was a man, he was laying on a pallet, he was being carried by four
0: men, he was completely paralyzed, he was in utter despair of his life, doctors could not help him, he had made a decision that he would have to lay on this pallet until he died and he wanted to die sooner than later.
2: They tried to bring him in the
0: house. Can you imagine trying to bring a man laying on a pallet into a crowded place? No one was willing to give up their place
2: listening to Jesus. They couldn't get him in. It says
0: all they wanted to do was bring him in and lay him before Jesus because they knew that if they could get this man into the presence of Jesus, like the woman with an issue of blood, if she could just touch his clothes, she knew she'd be healed. They were saying, if we can just get this man into the physical presence of Jesus, the power of God is flowing with him, and he will be instantly
2: healed. Well, they couldn't They couldn't do that. So they took him up on the flat roof. (laughs) I wonder if this man was saying, no, don't do this. But he's paralyzed. No, don't do this. We can't destroy Peter's house. I want to tell you, when you start to serve God, your couch may get food on it. I remember listening to Francis Schaeffer a number of years ago
0: when I was studying under him in Libri, Switzerland. And he said, if you dare to open your house to other people, expect that they will destroy your
2: furniture. I've experienced that. This was Peter's house. They could not
0: find a way in, and so they took him up on the roof, and they began to remove the tiles. Now imagine we're here in this room, and suddenly someone up above starts to rip out the the ceiling, and the dirt and the debris begins to fall down on your head. Certainly, Jesus was distracted from his sermon. I wonder at what point he stopped preaching and just stood with a smile, looking up, waiting for them. And I wonder how they knew
2: exactly where Jesus was, so they knew where to dig. When they finally bent over and looked down in
0: that room below, and positioned themselves over that hole, slanting him in. I don't know, maybe the hole wasn't quite big enough. But this man was paralyzed. He couldn't say anything about it. He just had to go along for the ride. You know, sometimes I feel like I don't have anything to say about this salvation deal.
2: Sometimes I just feel like I'm a paralyzed man along for the ride. They began to drop him down. You can hear them. No, Jacob, pull your side up. You're going to dump him out.
0: You know, as they're dropping him down, you know, it's it's four guys dropping him. They're not all coordinated. I wonder what the paralyzed man was thinking. Now, not only am I going to be paralyzed, I'm going to be dead.
2: I'm going to slide off this pallet.
0: But Jesus, looking up, it says in verse 20, this is Matthew 5, verse 20, having seen their faith, that is seeing the faith of the men who
2: were handling the ropes. He said to him, Man, or mister, or in another uh, book, it says, child, your sins have been forgiven. That's what the NIV says. But
0: the word being used is aphemy in the Greek, and it doesn't mean to forgive. It means to remove.
2: Aphemy means to remove. So Jesus, with one word, removes this man's sin from his life. Forgive tells us that the penalty of sin is removed.
0: I'm not content to have the penalty of sin removed from my life. I need my sin utterly removed. Now, I'm going to show you in just a minute, when God comes to make his house with us, he doesn't make his house with people who are dwelling under the kingdom of the devil, still walking in sin. Grace is a gospel word that has been utterly corrupted Charis, the word for grace, means the divine influence of God. It means the divine influence
2: of God. What is God's divine influence? To righteousness. So if we look honestly at the word charis
0: charis cannot continue to exist where there is sin. Either there is sin or there is charis because charis drives out sin and sin drives out grace.
2: So it's one or the other. It's not both and. As grace increasingly
0: flows into the life of a person, it removes sin. It teaches us, according to Titus, to say no to ungodliness and unrighteousness. So, grace is what brings to us righteousness and healing and makes way and builds a place in our lives for righteousness to dwell so that
2: God can come. And make his house in us. Mister. Your sins have been removed. From you. Do you need to hear that today? Do you need to hear God come to you and say. I am removing from you your sin. I'm not just forgiving you. I'm not just saying, okay, I won't punish you for the past.
0: He's saying, I'm coming to remove your sin.
2: I'm coming to take it away from you. To lift it up off of you so that you no longer walk in it. You are set free, you are healed, you are restored. The scribes and the Pharisees, verse 21,
0: they hear this and they begin to reason. God always likes people to reason. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Now come, let's reason. Logic with me, please, Brother Ed.
2: Who is this man who is speaking blasphemy? That's a wonderful question. Who is this man who is speaking blasphemy? Then you have to answer the question. After you answer, who is this man? Is it blasphemy or not? Who is able to remove sin or sins except God only? Great question. The answer is God only. And the answer is this man who's removing sin is God. Jesus, he understands their thoughts.
0: And so he answered, he said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins have been removed for you. Notice it does not say, for your sins have been removed by your hard work. It does not say your sins have been removed because you have submitted to the
2: discipline. It does not say that. I come to Jesus. And if I'm willing to utterly lay down everything,
0: he will sovereignly remove my sin.
2: But you see, from age, old age, the human heart
0: has done a dirty trick. Does it in relationships? Does it with the boss? And especially does it with God. And that is, I'm confronted with my behavior. And I say, yes, I did do that. But that's nothing compared to how bad you are. You made me do it. I couldn't help myself. You said this and this and this. And that made me do
2: this and this and this. So no matter what happens, it's your fault. You know, God, if you hadn't
0: put this sexual desire in my heart, I wouldn't be lusting. Oh, so we take the gift of God, the precious gift given between a man and a woman that is sacred, and we now blame God because we twist it into something ugly
2: and evil. Sexuality is a gift from God. Love between a husband and a wife.
0: Do you know chemically what happens when a man kisses, really kisses a woman? The hormones kick in. And intimacy is desired. And closeness comes.
2: I'm, you know, can I be straight? I'm talking about exchanging spit. (coughs) Chemicals mixing. The body goes hot. The body says, we want to be connected. I
0: tell young people and old people, if you're with someone who is not your spouse, be careful. Don't kiss them. Unless you're serious about building something holy with that person. Because when you kiss them, things begin to kick into gear, chemically.
2: And if you're married and you're not kissing, there's a problem. And distance will begin to grow between you. Because you are separate emotionally. And when a couple begins to come together chemically and emotionally
0: and spiritually, you can destroy that relationship.
2: You can destroy that relationship very simply by blaming the other partner and saying, it's your fault. You're the problem. God never does that with us. God never comes and says, it's your fault. He comes and dies.
0: He knows it's my fault. He doesn't need to tell me it's my fault. I know it's my
2: fault. So he comes and he says, can I
0: just remove all of that garbage out of your heart?
2: Can I just take it away
0: from you? Is it really so precious to you to pretend that you're righteous? Would you just let me take your false righteousness? There's nothing uglier than a Christian with self-righteousness and no love. Is there anything uglier than that? Husbands, is there anything uglier than your wife coming
2: and saying it's all your fault? Or vice versa. You know, if you hadn't done that, honey, I wouldn't have had to have done this. God doesn't work that way. That's not the heart of God for us. Jesus never blames me on the cross. He took the blame on himself. He said, I will die for you. Next time somebody does something and you want to say it's your fault, why don't you just say, honey, I'll take the blame? It's okay. My shoulders are broad enough. I'll never forget. My dad
0: was a big man, 6'3, all muscle. Mom, a redhead,
2: six feet. And mom would say, Matt, why'd you do that? And he would say very quietly and gently back to her, Orpha, I have broad shoulders. I'll take the blame. I love you. And she'd melt. How do you fight with that? And Orpha was a a redhead Irish woman. She had a hot temper. And it never worked against dad because dad would just say,
0: I have broad shoulders. And it finally got to a place where all he had to say was, I have broad shoulders. And she'd start to laugh because she knew it took two to tango and he was not going to
2: fight with her. That was the end of the battle. I remember a few times she would start to cry. And she'd say, you're really saying it's my fault. He would answer back. Have broad shoulders. I love you. Fight was over. This is what Jesus did with us. He was stretched out on that cross. He took it all for us. There's no argument. The argument is over. Which is easier to say your sins have been removed
0: or to say, rise up and walk around. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on the earth to remove sins he said to the one having been paralyzed, I say to you, rise up. And after having picked up your pallet, you must go to your house. In other words, demonstrate that you walk now without blame.
2: You walk clean. You walk free. What awesome news. Jesus does not say,
0: I will remove your sins, and halfway home, it's going to come on you again, and you're going to hobble, and you're going to finally be in bed again, and you're going to be paralyzed. He doesn't say that. He says, I remove your sins. Now go home and be free. Enjoy your wife and your family. What joy there must have been in that household.
2: As daddy walked through the door, healed, restored, made complete. Is there still part of your life where you are paralyzed, where you are dead?
0: There is no longer any reason for any of us to be paralyzed in any manner. We have been granted the cross of Jesus Christ. We have been granted total removal of all sin so that we walk in righteousness before God, no longer sinning against the Lord God of heaven. This is real righteousness. This is not make believe. This is not imputed righteousness. This is not declared righteousness. This is the real deal. Jesus deals in
2: reality. He doesn't deal with a shell game. Now turn with me and I want to show you something that when
0: I saw it caused me to begin to weep. Chapter 14, one of my most treasured
2: passages of Scripture from the time I was a small child. Chapter 14, verse 1. Your heart must not be troubled. You must believe in God and you
0: must believe in me. There are many dwelling places in my father's house. If you have the NIV, you may read, there are many rooms in my father's house. Or the King
2: James, there are many mansions in my father's house. But the word literally in the Greek should be translated, there are many dwelling places in my father's house. And if not, I would have told you, I'm
0: going to prepare a place for you. I used to say to my dad, Dad, why doesn't Jesus come? And he'd say, because this construction on your mansion isn't finished yet. We'd be riding down the street and we'd pass this beautiful house. And I'd say, Daddy, why can't we live now in a house like that? Well, the reason was he was giving 50% of everything he owned to missionary work. And he would say, Raymond, I'm putting the money in the bank so that we can have a house like that. I'd say, Daddy, when can we have it? Well, we can have it when we get to heaven. Jesus is building it right now. So
2: we're paying on it every month. Well, I'd say, Daddy, I don't want to wait. I want to live in that house now. It says, even if I go
0: and may prepare a place for you, I'm coming again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may
2: also be. So Jesus is putting more emphasis
0: on taking us to himself than he is on preparing us a place.
2: But as you all know, when you get married, you want a place. Why?
0: So you can take one another to yourself. So you can take your wife, your husband to yourself. You can be with the one you love.
2: A house is much more than a, than a building. The house is a home. Every night I go not to my home. Every night I go to my house. Because I don't have anyone there to make a home with. So I go to my house, and every
0: chance I get, I leave my house because I have no one there to make a home with.
2: I used to say to Jan before she passed, it's strange, Jan, but wherever you are seems to be where my home is. Home is where the heart is said, I like our house, but it's the home I want. I invite people every Friday night to come over to my house. And I try to be
0: hospitable with them. But it is just a house. Soon, I'm going to have not a house, I'm going to have a home. As Jesus brings to me another partner,
2: I'm looking forward to having another home. Well, my heart's with Jesus. So I do have a home. But I want to show you that in the scriptures. I want to show you where Jesus
0: actually. Gives to us the truth of the gospel that we don't have to wait until he takes us to heaven to be with him. Yes, we're going to have a place with him there.
2: But right now, it's in the same chapter. Look, verse 23. The question was lord but what is what has happened that you are about to manifest
0: yourself to us and not to the world and Jesus 23 answered them and said to him if anyone may love me he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make a dwelling place with him the greek word For dwelling place here is exactly the same
2: as in verse 2. The future dwelling place and the current dwelling place, the same Greek word is used to describe it. Listen,
0: if anyone may love me, he will keep my word, In other words, he will be righteous. And my father will love him and we will come to him. The father and the son will come to us
2: to create a dwelling place now. The one not loving me does not keep my words and the word that you hear
0: is not mine, but the Father's, the one having sent me. I have spoken these things to you while remaining with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, that one will teach you all things and will remind you all things that I have said to you. I leave peace with you. I give to you my peace, not as the world gives it do I give to you, Your heart must not be troubled, and it must not be afraid. And the reason your heart must not be afraid is because the whole Godhead has moved down to earth
2: to dwell in you, in the Holy Spirit. Now, it's taken me all week to even begin to wrap my heart around this. The Lord comes,
0: and the first thing He has to do is remove our sin.
2: Not forgive us. Forgiveness is a part of removal. He has to remove the sin,
0: He has to make us righteous. Without righteousness, there is no presence of God except conviction of sin. Conviction of sin is not what God wants. That's just the first step in getting us cleaned up. What he wants is for us to be convicted and then to allow him to cast that out of our hearts and our lives
2: so that he can dwell with us. I love that God is impatient. God is jealous. He doesn't want to wait until we get to heaven.
0: He wants to dwell in us now. He wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit now. And yet, for some reason, we seem to be willing to live as orphans and strangers, getting beat up by the devil, living with a troubled heart, because we're distant from Jesus. He came and moved in with us, and we moved out. And we said, no, we, we'd rather live in a house where Jesus, you're over here in this room and Mr. Devil, you're over here in this room and I get to choose and pick which I one I want to be with. when I. You think God's going to be
2: willing to have two partners? I don't understand women who are willing to have a couple of women marry the same man. That's the most insane thing I've ever heard. It's the source of trouble, of destruction. Jesus will never be willing to be one
0: part of the partnership and the other part is the devil. He just won't live with us that way. And if we have partnership with the
2: devil, we can be very religious. We can go to church, we can give tithes and offerings, we can talk religious, we can act religious, but that's all we are, religious.
0: There's no power going out from us to heal because the presence of Jesus is not in us. The first thing Jesus wants to do is unfreeze us emotionally and spiritually from the
2: influence and the power of the devil. God did not come to freeze us emotionally, physically, or spiritually.
0: He came to say to the paralyzed man, I take your sin away. Because it is sin that freezes us. It's sin that blocks the power of God in our hearts. It's sin that causes us to be discouraged and in despair. It's a refusal to allow God to come and remove that from our hearts. But understand, if he doesn't remove it, he can't come and live with us. So we have to choose. Do we want God to come live with us? Or are you going to hold back and serve the devil and be frozen, walk in your sin and hope that someday you might be allowed to enter into heaven so you could have a place with God? I tell you this, if you do not have a place with God here, you will never have a place on the other side. If you do not have a place here, you will never have a place on the other side. And if you came to church today expecting to meet Jesus here, you did not meet him. Because for Jesus to be here for you meant you brought him with you. You walked with him and he joined together with you to come and be a part of his body. He doesn't welcome you after you've walked with the devil. And say, okay, I'll give you a little bit of sentimental love. I'll touch you just a little bit. Are you kidding me? He doesn't want to touch you that way. He wants to touch you, forgiving your sin, removing your sin,
2: making you righteous and holy. Is that good news for you? Wow, that's good news for me. I no longer
0: have to walk in the darkness. I can choose to walk in the darkness. I can choose to play with the devil. I can choose to fight with my brothers and sisters. I can choose to blame people. I can choose to be angry and hostile. I can choose to do anything I
2: want to do. But if I want Jesus... I've got to let him remove that from my heart and set me free and walk in the joy of my salvation. Many people have wrongly believed that all of your life
0: is a series of struggling with sin so that someday when you die, you can be saved. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you're not washed and clean when you die, death will certainly not release you from sin. Death
2: is the penalty of sin, not the savior from sin. I'm so aware today, I've talked with several of you about this, I'm not going to ask Jesus any longer to strengthen me.
0: Because if he touches me and strengthens me, I'll just go on trying to walk in the strength he's given me. I don't want to walk in the strength he might give me. I want to walk in his strength. I want to walk in the faith of God, not my faith. I've got to walk in the faith of God. I've got to walk in his strength, for I have no strength remaining. I have spent much of my life struggling against sin, and every time I've been defeated. I've learned not to fight against sin. I've learned to resist the devil by going to Jesus. I recognize that it's Jesus my soul wants. I don't want to become somebody. I'm the Superman
2: of religious life. Are you kidding me? That's insanity. I come to the
0: one who is king of kings and Lord of lords. And he's the one. I walk in his strength. I walk in his power. I'm submitted
2: to him. He is the love of my heart. The question is, you still want to play with the devil? Are you still going to make excuses
0: for your sin? Are you still going to blame others for your condition?
2: Are you willing to right up front say, Me? I'm the one. I did it. I'm guilty. And I have no excuse. It's me.
0: Jesus, I bring you the mess of my heart and the mess of my life.
2: And I ask you to take my sin away and break its power over my heart. Jesus sat on that mountain overlooking Jerusalem, weeping.
0: Because he said, how often I would gather you like chicks under the wings. How often I would have done that for
2: you. But you said, no, you would not be gathered. If I'm not gathered, I'll die. If I'm not gathered, I'll die. There's a Hebrew word, the You know what it means? The wing of God. It was the wing of God that covered the children of Israel.
0: When the blood was placed on the doorposts and the lentil. It's called Passover in scripture. The word Passover is literally pasach, wing of God. I want to dwell under the wing of God. I'm not even going to peek out to see if the eagle's there to take me. Or if the lion's there to eat me.
2: I'm going to hide all the way in under that wing of God. This week, be very clear in your heart you're either under the wing of God or you're under the wing of the devil. There's no in-between. He's promised deliverance to this church this spring. He's promised the spring rain. Stand by faith. He will do it. Mighty God, I choose to dwell under your wing. Jesus,
0: I choose to have you come and make a place for me with the Father and with the Spirit. I can't wait until heaven because if I do, I'll die. Lord, I trust you to remove every sin. To wash and cleanse. To make this church free. Lord, I thank you for sanctifying my
2: heart. I thank you for washing me. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love and your mercy and for your kind actions. Come and make your home with me. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory.